Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. St. Louis is associated with Cardinals because, well, baseball. But there are lots of real live Cardinals here too. And as it happens, this part of the Midwest is popular with avians of the migratory sort. In fact, according to Mike Doyen, president of the Missouri Bird Conservation Foundation, practically every migrating bird in the world flies through our state. Here to talk about why that is and how we can make the most of seeing these birds as they migrate and help revitalize habitat to make our region a place they'll return to, we welcome Tara Homan, Conservation Science Manager for Audubon, Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri. Tara is based at the Audubon Center at Riverlands in West Alton, Missouri. Tara, so glad to have you here today. No, thanks for having me. I had no idea this region has such migratory bird distinction. What accounts for that, Tara? So a lot of the popularity for migration in our area is due to the abundance of resources that this area has, specifically along the river. The river is a great source for early resources becoming available for those migrating birds. And so they're going to stop there, typically first, in some of our other natural areas that we have in the region, and then as they move on. So we're really just a great hot spot for helping these birds make their way up north or down south, depending on the time of year. And what is a bird resource? So, yeah, great question. So when we're talking about bird resources, we're looking for shelter. Of course, we're looking for um, also food foraging availability. So we're looking for insects that are hatching out. We're looking for any kind of leaf out and buds. Again, this attracts a lot of insects that these birds are trying to find Mm -hmm. to build up the protein, build up the fat so that they can keep migrating through. Or if they're coming to stay and breed the season so that they can pack up all those nutrients too so they can start their breeding season. Okay, so bugs and breeding. Yeah. The two bees, okay. Yeah, the two bees. Tell us about the birds that come through this area. What kinds are we most likely to see during the spring migration period, even if we're not actively looking for them? Right. So this time of year, um, especially in the month of May, this is when we really start hitting our songbird migrating season. So shorebirds are still moving through, but we're hitting kind of towards the teeter of those. Um, And so right now, everyone's very excited about all of the warblers moving through, especially. Um, And so most of these warblers are going to keep moving through, heading on to the boreal forest up north. But they're bright, they're colorful, and they're, they attract the eye to almost anyone who's around. And if you haven't seen one, they hook you immediately as okay. a bird lover. Okay. Yeah. And are these birds ones that, um, you know, do you need to be in a particular area to see them? Or is it just like you kind of look up with caution because they're yeah. birds? <laughs> no, you're right. Um, so if you go to any 
park. I was at actually Tower Grove Park this morning. You can go to Forest Park, any natural area, even your backyard. If you have like good, nice old trees, you have good developed um, habitat back there, you're likely to see these warblers moving through. Mm-hmm. Now, do certain birds favor particular parts of the St. Louis region? So you've just m- mentioned the parks. Um, and Greg asks, you know, what cool migratory birds have you seen at Riverlands in the past few days? Yeah, no, that's another great question. Um, so where birds are p- particularly picking for are, again, some of these riverine systems. That's where we're going to have the most abundant resources right now. So any area that has a water source or river or stream, that's probably going to be a good hot spot. In terms of riverlands and some of the good birds we've seen lately, we're still getting um, a ton of shorebirds moving through between Dunlins, Dowitchers, um, Yellowlegs. We've also had our Orioles return, which people love warbling vireos. So a good mix at this point of songbirds and shorebirds. Mm-hmm. And what about Quincy, which also sits along the Mississippi River migratory yeah. path? Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to be seeing a lot of those same birds moving through, especially those songbirds. So all the warblers, um, as well as other neotropical migrants, so the birds that are going to be wintering down in South and Central America. So what we're seeing here, they're likely seeing there as well. Can you give us a number as to how many birds we expect to see like come through, or maybe not see, but that will be traveling through? No, Yeah, so about, let me try to remember the statistics um, directly, but I believe it's 60% of North American bird species will use our migratory flyway moving through. So that's probably close to about, um, I believe it's around 300 different species that should be moving through. And that's wow. just the songbirds. Okay. Um, a huge suite of waterfowl also use our flyway. Mm-hmm. I think I saw the number uh, 60% of songbirds. Yep, and, and 40% then 40% of waterfowl. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. No, migration is, of course, about flight and movement from one place to another, but it's actually a process, and you've talked a little bit about that, but can you tell us a little bit more about what migration actually entails? Yeah, migration is a huge, daunting journey for birds, and almost a a huge majority of birds do them. There are very few birds that don't really migrate, who might just stick around all year, but the majority do migrate. And so essentially... This journey um, for most is to get from their breeding to their wintering grounds or vice versa. Right now, it's wintering to breeding grounds, and that's what we're seeing. So during spring migration in particular, it's a pretty quick trip. These birds are trying to move through as fast as possible to get to their breeding territory, to claim their sites, find their mate, and start that process. Fall migration is typically a little slower, but since we're in spring, the birds that we're seeing now, they're going to be moving in and moving out. Okay. So it's it's pretty quick, but it takes a lot of resources and energy of these birds. I mentioned the few that are coming from South and Central America. There's ones that are coming from even further south than that. And these are long trips. Wow. And so these birds are really prepped and need all that we can help provide to get them to their breeding ground safely. Mm-hmm. Now, there are certainly things that don't help. So... Um, Linda from Crestwood comments, in general, the arch should never be lit. Um, It's much more beautiful on its own and lit by the moon. It interrupts birds all the time anyway, not just now. It would be better for everyone all the time, humans and birds, not just during migration. We'd save money, save energy with just a little red light at the top. I don't think we need the 
big giant lights. What other sorts of things, um, either you know, man-made or natural, are hazards that migratory birds face along the way? Yeah, so you touched on a big one, which is light pollution. Um, window collisions, building collisions are another big issue that typically happen year-round, but of course are concentrated towards migration just because you have a larger concentration of birds. Um, that's another big issue. Um, some of our great infrastructure, like even wind turbines, they're great renewable energy, but they do impact migrating birds. Um, and, you know, it's particularly placing those where it's not in the middle of a migratory pathway is going to be super beneficial of helping reduce those impacts. Mm -hmm. um, but those are just probably some of the big ones. And this is a good time to give a, a special shout out and thank you to the St. Louis Public Radio listeners who helped make our building here in Grand Center safer for migrating birds. I don't know if you saw, Tara, when you were coming in. I took photos. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah, so our building's walls are made of glass, which is great to look at, um, but not so good for birds. And thanks to a crowdsourced fund drive last year, we now have decals on the walls where birds were colliding most. Yeah, and I got to say, it's a great example, especially for some of these buildings um, in downtown, midtown, of what you can do. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people, we talk to them about trying to mitigate bird collisions, but they don't know what it looks like or how to go about it. And so I think this is going to be a great starting point. So I'm very excited to see it. Mm -hmm. And this excited person is Tara Homan, who is Conservation Science Manager for Audubon's Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri region. Uh, Tara is based out of the Audubon Center at Riverlands, which is a nature preserve in West Alton, Missouri. Now, on the note of, um, you know, natural and man-made, there's human activity. And you mentioned the wind turbines. That's stuff that people are doing. Um, I'm thinking about climate change. Yep. So how has climate change affected bird migration? Yeah, so climate change has definitely had an impact. So we can look at the change in the intensity of our winters and our summers. You know, we're getting more cold events closer to the summer where typically we may not have had them. Cold snaps, heavy wind, high precipitation. Um, this impacts migration because it's not allowing birds to move or it's stalling them. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're getting this, and I think it's been termed here before, um, phenological mismatch, which essentially the timing of resources isn't matching when the birds need them. Okay. And so because it's been so warm, say here in St. Louis this spring, a lot of these trees have leafed out and budded out a lot earlier than what some may have expected, mm -hmm. which means those birds who are late to the game to come through aren't going to be able to pick up as many resources because those resources are the most abundant when that starts happening. And you see this with songbirds and shorebirds, and some of the impacts may be greater for some than others as of right now, but it's impacting the, the majority of birds as a whole. Mm -hmm. So we as humans, for example, as we are feeling allergies come on at different times, that also is indicating that it's changing things for birds, too. Mm -hmm. Now, our planet's sixth mass extinction is underway, and birds are not immune to human-caused threats to species extinction. Are there a couple examples, Tara, of certain birds we've seen less or maybe more of these days than in past years? Yeah, so you think about the 30 billion birds that have 
died essentially over the past 50 years. Um, there's a lot of bird species that are impacted across that. No habitat type or bird group is not prone to those effects. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all impacted. But on overall, I would say the biggest group that's being impacted probably are grassland birds as well as our aerial insectivores. Mm-hmm. And I know we're talking about extinctions. I know insects, surprisingly, I know a lot of people don't love their insects in the out in nature, but right. they are de- declining as well. And mm-hmm. that directly impacts those aerial insectivores who are looking for that as their sole resource. So um, yeah, as a whole, I would say those are probably the two biggest ones mm-hmm. that are that are facing threats. So as far as revitalizing migratory bird habitat, why is that important from an ecological standpoint? Yeah. So if you think about it, you know, I'm focused on birds and birds as a whole. Um, Looking at it on a landscape level is the best approach because you're not only helping those birds, but you're helping other wildlife that is utilizing that habitat. And so when we're looking at helping habitat for migration, helping habitat for birds in general, because it all impacts each other, it all applies, um, we really just need to benefit it so that we can give one birds the best chance in migration because it's hard enough. We can at least help them out a bit, mm-hmm. but also for those birds that stick around year long. Yeah. And a lot of my work's focused on the river as one of the declining habitats. And so um, benefiting that just helps this suite of taxa all together. Mm-hmm. Now, people can make changes sort of on the individual level, um, on the neighborhood level. Laurie and Hannibal has a, a lighting question. She lives on the Mississippi, and there's a, a business on the river, and they've installed a couple of really bright security lights. They're glaring, as she says. Could that be a problem for our birds? Um, you know, Laurie wants to know if, if we talk to the owner, should we turn them off for a week? Or if a business could do like a careful way of adjusting their lights? not to interfere with birds? Like what can people do around that sort of thing? Yeah, so there's actually a few different options when it comes to light pollution. Um, So one option, of course, is to turn them off. Again, we we talked earlier about how that kind of saves energy. Um, It's a great resource. A lot of people keep their lights on for security purposes, and, and, you know, that's no fault in that. So some of the options there are making sure that your lights are downward-facing, Mm -hmm. Uh, not facing up into the sky those can kind of trap birds into this like kind of light funnel so as long as they're facing down towards the ground there's also um certain luminosities that you can look into so i believe um the dark skies association has some more information on what exactly that is but they're less impacted impactful for birds and those are the types of lights that Mm -hmm. they're using yeah um, I mean, when it comes to safety issues for lighting a river, is there anything that you can say um, that might help allay any you know, anxieties or fears about safety being jeopardized because lights are being adjusted? Yeah, you know, it, I don't know if I could give a definitive answer. I think I've heard one or two things in, in passing, talking with different groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I You know, it's hard to reassure people that lighting isn't the sole thing that's going to impact whether or not safety is or isn't there. Mm -hmm. But um, it is something that we can just promote that with or without the light, you know, situations happen. 
So my guess is that getting folks more interested and invested in supporting healthy bird populations involves some bird watching. So what tips do you have for the best locations to see birds coming through the area for spring migration? You've mentioned kind of getting near water, perhaps, but what are some other things? So I always think that bird watching should be accessible and easy to do for everyone. So while we have some great locations in our area, the Missouri um, Birding Trail, for instance, lists out a ton of great sites that people can see near and far within the state. Um, But even just getting started in your backyard, that's the best way to do it. And then venture there from some of your city parks to some of your surrounding natural areas. It's really easy to get out there and find a community in birders. Mm -hmm. And they're really easy to spot because they all have cameras or binoculars (laughs) and they're more than happy to share information with you. So by all means, we're not mean people. We're very friendly and more than happy to point things out. So if you're new to the game or wanting to get in the game. It's super easy to do. Mm-hmm. And very last question, uh, just in one word, yes or no to binoculars? Yes. Tara Homan is Conservation Science Manager for Audubon, Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri. Thank you for being here. Coming up, St. Louis Cinemas. Coming up, Cinema St. Louis's Q-Fest and its 16th annual spotlight on and celebration of LGBTQ people through cinema. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.